You could use a drink, though. You could definitely use a drink, yeah. So we're going to we're gonna support our friend. We're going to do the show without him tonight, because I don't expect him at all. Yeah, I'm going to pour a little liquor out in my mouth for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pour some out for the homies down my throat. <laughs> podcast i'm your host danny paul joining me on a solo mission tonight in the bob media studios is the baron of bourbon the region of rage the lord of loathes you know him better as leon coventry just like old times danny just just me and you kid happy thursday sir happy thursday to you we don't need them. We could do it. How did you? Uh, how did you spend this past illustrious uh, vernal equinox known as Yoster? Um, a time of rebirth oh. and fertility, my man. Well, you know, I went out and colored some eggs with the daughter, and then I went out and uh, allowed the Easter bunny to hide them, and very early. And then, what I didn't realize was going to happen. I don't know if this is a common occurrence or just my kid, but you know, they can actually get a sugar hangover because the day after was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare of horror of my child trying to recover from the pounds and pounds of sugar that she ate. <laughs> it is, uh, it is classified as a poison in large amounts. Well, she she covered that. We went we went uh, to the local golf course here, and they had a brunch going, so we did that. But very low key, very mild, very very uh, just the three of us family. So that was nice. How about you? Hmm. Nice. We had a fairly low key Easter morning. the uh, The bunny came, left the baskets. We like to give uh, we like to give gifts as part of Easter. So we consider Easter a, a gift giving holiday for the kids. Uh, and also the, the oldest just turned 10. So uh, I got a boy that's two digits now. We got him some gifts cause it's his birthday. And then, um, and then my mother was celebrating her birthday as well. So it was kind of this, cause we've got the, the entire fam family over and we had a gigantic Easter kind of barbecue get everybody together, celebrate two birthdays, celebrate Easter. Uh, it was kind of nice. So I had to do a little bit of grill work, which is, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. Didn't get to bring the smoker out because it turns out the smoker is a little rich for my family's blood. So I'm going to have to save some of my smoking expeditions for a little bit more uh, special occasions. So what I did was I got two skillets and I put a full tri-tip in each skillet, seared it, threw it in the smoker, high temperature to get rid of the smoke as much as possible. And then I let those cook. And then I put two more tri-tip roasts on the grill, seared those, and then sliced all four of them up and put those with different, uh, different rubs. And it was kind of nice. It was a, 
buffet style, but uh, family gathering nonetheless. About 14 people. Oh, wow. Okay. That's what pretty good. Pretty good showing. So does that mean uh, the mom and the oldest one have to share their birthdays occasionally every so often with Easter? If so Easter close? falls on that strange day, because his is the 14th and hers is the 18th. So they're, they're always four days from each other. Because I know you, yours comes in your mother's day, right? Yeah, but mostly it's a hangover birthday because it's yep. really yep. around Cinco de Mayo. Oh, of course. Mm. As you do. Which reminds me, uh, listener Hootie wants us to do our episodes earlier so that he can enjoy what we talk about on the day. So yeah. we are scheduled to have ourselves uh, our Cinco de Mayo episode next week in anticipation of the fifth. Nice. And we got to get a bracket in here soon, too. Because we, we listen to our, our listeners. We enjoy our bobs out there. That's right. We got to do the bracket. So we postponed the bracket tonight, which means we get to do the bracket next week. Or we might have to wait because we want to wait for Mr. Jones to be able to join us. And uh, he couldn't join us tonight. And, you know, since the regular bracket's over, we'll get to it. But I do have to say congratulations to you, Leon, for this little package that you put together which is very exciting. I think what I'll do is I'll uh, take some pictures of it. I'll post it up on the Bottle of Brown Instagram page. So if you guys can follow along with what we're doing. But I, um, I wish I could take the credit, but Triple B did all the work. Obviously. And it was important because otherwise I would know what the secret uh, bottles are and it would spoil the whole bracket. So, so is she the, not going to tell us until the, until the tournament's over? She refuses to tell us until the tournament's over and then we will walk through the our decisions so that there is no she was really concerned last year she thought maybe that there might have been some biases Mm -hmm. out there and uh, we have taken all bias out of the bracket this year there we like it because it's a straight blindfold taste test right it is a complete blindfold taste test now i think we may know the cat that they're what the four categories will be Mm-hmm. But we will not know which groupings are meaning those categories. Yeah, we so we could take our best guess, which will be the fun. Final four and then the championship. And it looks like yep. we have A1, A2, B1, B2, all the way through D. Mm-hmm. A, B, C, D, one and two. So that's eight. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. We Could have the good. elite eight. Yeah. The elite eight. Well, what, what's your brown tonight? I beat you to it. You did. <laughs> so in um, in the spirit of of Yoster and actually Passover, I busted out the old milk and honey Tel Aviv Israeli scotch. Oh, well played. Yep, yep. We watched the Prince of Egypt with the kids to give them an idea of the Ten Commandments and Passover and the plagues and all that, and that was kind of a, a fun experience because they were asking questions, and I was like, yeah, no, that's this is what people believe. And they're like, yeah, but, and it's like, well, that's, it's what people believe. And so we left it at that. Uh, but it was a fun movie. It's got Val Kilmer and Ray Fiennes. And it actually has got a lot of really good names in it. Back from 98 or 99. If you haven't seen mm-hmm. it, it's worth it. It's DreamWorks. But uh, yeah, I'm rocking some uh, Tel Aviv Israeli scotch tonight. What about you? What's your brown? I am going with Knob Creek Nine Year, the giant Costco bottle. That's mm-hmm. happening tonight. Well done, yeah, I'm, I'm not going too fancy. Although, I like how Costco um, likes to sell the bottles that look like cricket bats. 
<laughs> but that's funny that, you know, when I was growing up, I would get pulled out of school on Good Friday, uh, halfway through the day. That was a tradition my mom always did. Yeah. And then we would watch Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm -hmm. And yeah, those songs still resonate with me. And uh, as a kid, I didn't realize how hippie-ish that movie really is. But, you know, as you grow up, you start to realize this is... This is definitely out of the 60s, 70s realm. <laughs> good, good flick, though. Yeah, no, she's, that. she's devout. Your mom gets into it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, now that we've talked about Brown, let's talk about Brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. Say, Holmes, uh, where they hiding the scotch? What about, um, Brown? That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. Comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Can I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? Tonight's talk about brown comes to us from Yahoo. It is, uh, I believe it comes from Spy Magazine. This was a submission from Mr. Jones because he could not join us tonight. So in his honor, we talk about the 16 best bottles of whiskey deserve pride of place on your bar cart. So hopefully all of you bobs out there have a bar cart. I have a bar cabinet, doesn't have wheels on it, but it is a place where I store all of my brown sequestered from everything else. It is a single isolated place where I keep my stuff. And I do have a myriad collection. Now, I certainly don't have the collection that Leon's got. That is just a goddamn national treasure. But I do like to mix my <laughs> shit up. Uh, and I don't know how many of these 16 I got, but... That's the fun part of the exercise. I'm guessing that you're going to have most of these, Leon, but not all of them because they're not all bourbon. Mm -hmm. Ready? Ready. Ready. Get into this. It's Whiskey's exciting. been around for centuries, although the Scots and the Irish will surely argue over its exact origins. It's gone through various phases of popularity with a significant downturn here in America from the 70s until the early 2000s, a period during which vodka was king. But the past two decades have seen a huge resurgence for whiskey, and it's become the most coveted and coolest of all spirits, with bourbon, rye, Irish, and other types of whiskey all enjoying immense growth and popularity. So we decided to join the long list of proclaimed whiskey lovers and write about the best whiskey brands according to our tastes. Now, whether you're a seasoned pro who drinks his whiskey neat or someone who's just getting into the world of craft bourbon cocktails, how do you choose the right bottle to pour? How can you tell which are the best whiskey brands and which are swill? Because whiskey has so many subcategories and is produced by so many distilleries all over the world, the flavors can vary drastically. In this post, we'll break down the different types of whiskey and then cover some of our favorite whiskey brands. So keep reading and get ready to enjoy some of the world's best whiskey. And it looks like it does it in listicle formats. Number one, Wild Turkey 101. Really? Do you have this? Interesting. Uh... I do not have that bottle. This was it's their interesting, best yeah. whiskey overall. Huh. What is the you talk about the best thing? bourbon for most people? You have to take both flavor and price into consideration. And in both of these categories, it's really hard to find any faults with Wild Turkey 101. Spicy, mm. dependable, and affordable bourbon. So this is kind of the category criteria that we took for the first brown bracket was that's right. What does it taste and what does it cost? So this they're kind of doing um. They're kind of copying us, basically. They're thieves. 
Yeah. I mean, they listen, they're avid listens, listeners to the show. Absolutely. I assume they must be, yeah. they must be listeners of the show, which we congratulate you on. So if you want a uh, advertising opportunities, uh, bottle of Brown at gmail.com country of origin, United States tasting notes, vanilla, oak, caramel, great for cocktails or sipping meat. I thought that was interesting. And this is a very elegant looking bottle. It really is. I'm going to have to get it now. I don't think I've even seen it. It must not be that available. I mean, that was one of ours. Our criteria is can you How find easy it? How to get? Yeah, yeah. So it's got a cork top. It's not a screw on, but it's got a nice elegant shape to it. It's doesn't have a lot of label on it. It's mostly glass. And then it's got this little embossed turkey in the glass of the bottle. Neat it's stuff. a good looking bottle. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number two, Red Breast 12, best Irish whiskey. Yes. I'm a, I'm a Red Breast fan. I like How about you? Yeah. That's that, exactly. That's a good fit. Single pot still. I would say yep. is. I'm not a big Irish whiskey fan in general, uh, but if I had one, that's a good brand. That's you a good find one. it's thinner. Yeah, it's it seems bitter. like a very thin, less less viscous drink. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm. Not, eh, it's fine. You know, maybe Spice, maybe I need uh, dried fruit. Got to give it more more runs at it, but it's the same. I don't like scotch because it's too smoky, and I don't like. The Irish whiskey is much because it's just got a, it's got that weird bitter taste to it. Yeah. I mean, it's that there, what I would say is that whiskeys in general and specifically bourbon seems to have a more syrupy by comparison. It just seems like a thicker drink. Mm-hmm. Number three, whistle pig. There you go. Gotta whistle have pig, it. Whistle pig, let me in. Which so one is they? Best rye. Ooh, they picked the whistle pig rye. It's Interesting. Best rye, 10 years. Baking spice, citrus, and black pepper. Look, I'm a big whistle pig fan, but I don't know that I would put them as the best in the rye category. There's a, there's a, it's a good looking bottle. I guess this is all Lots about rise, displaying, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of good ryes out there. I they don't like know to do I'd these little squat bottles, you know, like, like shorter, but wider. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the thing. Uh, <laughs> number four is Santori Toki. You got to have that. I mean, that is the I. That that's the that's a good Japanese whiskey. Lemon, vanilla, yeah. and spice. Okay, this one comes in that rectangular bottle. But again, this this like many Japanese whiskeys is very light in color. It doesn't have that deep brown that you get from a scotch or a bourbon. Their their whiskey is very much on the paler side of things. And I think a lot of that is in, in common with Irish whiskey too, is Irish whiskeys are often very pale as well. Uh, number five, best Tennessee whiskey is George Dickel, bottled and bond. Interesting. You're a man. What do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dickel, that's a great one. Dickel, I can't Tennessee believe. Dickel. Yeah, I just can't believe that they're going to just run by good old Jack. Jack or Jim, the Tennessee whiskey brother. Like, how do you just Tennessee go by whiskey, them? They went straight to George Dickel, vanilla, brown, oh, sugar, and almond. That's a ballsy move. Now, I do like that, though. That's good. Yeah, that's good whiskey. A lot of paper on this bottle. It looks really older the, than uh, it is, really right? let the glass stick through on this one. But bottled and bond means 100 proof. Mm-hmm. Put some hair in your chest. Uh, High West Campfire Whiskey's number six, best blend. Black pepper, honey, and smoke. I do have that one. The Balvine 12-year double wood, best single malt. I do like the Balvenie. I have that as well. Vanilla dried fig and honey. Great for sipping neat. That's right. Yeah. 
Oh, look at this. Best budget bourbon is Evan Williams. Some garbage. You know, speaking of Evan Williams, this is one of those ones that I thought might be a good category for the experiment that you and Mr. Jones are going through. He got Evan Williams bottled in bond and I got a one and three quarter bottle of black Eagle. Yeah. And we're going to do our little wood experiment right now. Uh, for those of you Bob's at home, you can get them on Amazon and I think we can put a link in the show notes, but it's a little spiraled piece of cured wood that you actually plop into the bottle and you age it for anywhere from two to six weeks. Um, Mr. Jones got Evan Williams bottled in bond and I got the black Eagle. And what I got was I got these little half pint Mason jars for like jelly. Uh, mm-hmm. And the thing with these sticks is they're like almost a foot long. And what the package says is one stick and it's a spiral piece of wood. So you can break off sections, the entire stick, one stick goes into three gallons of whiskey. And I was like, well, one, where do you get three gallons all at once? Because sign Costco. me up. Uh, <laughs> two, in order to put each, because these sections have like each of these spirals is like 24 spirals in a stick. So even if you break all that down, according to their measurement, one tiny little piece of wood that's about a quarter the size of a golf ball goes into a pint of whiskey. Hmm. And so a little bit goes a long way. And these things come in two packs and I got two twos. So I got four foot long sticks. That's 12 gallons of whiskey. I'm going to be busy. I can't wait to see how it turns out. I think it's going to be good. Uh, best for cocktails. Number nine is four roses, small batch. Mm, mm. It's a good looking bottle. Now we got to remember what, what Ready. they're talking about. What do you put on your bar cart? It's a good looking bottle, but we've yeah. already talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Aesthetics are important. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with this one. I would, I'm I would you. throw I a bullet. bullet. Yeah. 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 Uh, Elijah Craig barrel proof whiskey best barrel proof absolutely anything Elijah Craig makes for me all day spice brown sugar and vanilla yeah mm. that's a good bottle Elijah Craig's good stuff uh, best Canadian whiskey Crown Royal Northern uh, Harvest Rye I say it better be Crown Royal otherwise they're absolutely if you're going to go Canadian if you go Canadian club you're slumming it for the night <laughs> although I wish Canada would make a really good whiskey called Hoser, because I would buy it. <laughs> no way, eh? <laughs> no point in steering now, eh? Well, this is interesting. So an Indian whiskey, this might help me for my next uh, Around the Brown. Best uh, Indian whiskey uh, is Paul John Methuna, nutmeg, vanilla, and honey for sipping neat. That's it is state. a good-looking bottle. Yeah, it's beautiful. I've never it? seen that bottle. Produce of Goa. Apparently, Goa makes a lot of whiskey. So... Huh. Those of you in that part of the world that likes your uh, your Indian brown, uh, as the Bostonians say, dot not feather. <laughs> I'm sure that's okay. <laughs> it's not okay. For the not record, okay. it's not okay. But it's funny and it was a good one. I'm not, a, so I'm not endorsing that. <laughs> so this is an interesting one because this is not cheap. And I, it's fitting for me that they call it the good stuff. Is Number 13 is Johnny Walker Blue which I love already. Which is already expensive. But then the ghost and rare Johnny Walker blue. Never this even seen is, it. This is like $300 a bottle. Yeah. Here you go. 400. Yeah. Faux hundy for a bottle of Johnny blue vanilla, subtle smoke and citrus sipping needed with ice. Damn right. Sipping neat. You make a cocktail out of this. Somebody got to punch you. I was so excited 
to try Blue Label for the first time. I mean, I thought that was it. And? That is the top. I'm no, I mean, at the before I drank it, I thought that was that's what people aspire to to have Blue Label, and it turns out it's good. I always have one in the house because I think it. You have to have if you want to have a serious bar, you better have some Johnny Walker up there. And if yep. you're going to have Johnny Walker, you might as well have blue. Like I, I blue love that you, I love that you have the white Walker and all the other ones too. That's fun. Yeah. Well, I'm, used no, to I'm, at least. I'm, the, I'm the Johnny Walker guy in this group. So this one to yeah. me is absolutely, if I get 400 bucks I'm a, and I can find ghost and rare, I'm going to hold on to it. And this is the one that's going to have tons of dust on it. Well, I'd love to hear about, what makes that one different than the typical blue? Because the blue is a blend, which I do appreciate because it at least gives you consistency. I think all the Johnny blue bottles. Blend. Yeah, they're all blends. Yeah, I don't, but I don't you'll think Johnny does a single malt. Uh, let's, be... let's go through the text here. Every guy should try some top shelf whiskey at least once in their lifetime. Luxury mm-hmm. whiskeys are usually aged around 20 to 25 years and come in fancy packaging like crystal bottles and wood boxes. One of the best luxury whiskeys that you can actually get your hands on. That's, that's questionable. Is Johnny Walker right. Blue Label Ghost and Rare? Blue Label is Johnny Walker's high-end celebration level line of whiskey. Ghost and Rare is, like the name suggests, an even fancier edition of Johnny Blue. It's a blend of rare whiskeys collected and blended by master blender Dr. Jim Beveridge. Fucking great name. Of course it is. Now retired with Emma Walker taking over the role. Mm-hmm. So their master blender is now within the Walker family. Mm. Produce a flavor that's, well, really, really good. So I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna pledge myself to to pick up a bottle of this for extremely special occasions, but mm-hmm. looks good, good marketing. Uh, let's round out the last three here. Best smoky whiskey is Lagavulin, 16 year. Okay, mm-hmm. I like Lagavulin. Mm-hmm. Smoke, vanilla, and spice. Mm-hmm. Best bourbon, the winner of last it. year's bracket, Knob Creek. Boom, drinking it right now. Happens to be the one you're tasting right now, sir. Greatest American bourbon. Vanilla oak and caramel cocktails or sip and neat. I'm I'm really impressed with Knob Creek. I gotta tell you. I say this all the time, but it's it's it was the biggest sleeper to me. It's underrated. Yeah. It is underrated. Best celebrity whiskey brand is Wild Turkey Long Branch Whiskey. And you know who that is? McConaughey. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Aimed up with the world's longest tenured master distiller, Jimmy Russell, and his son, Eddie Russell, to make bourbon like he used to enjoy with his father growing up in Texas. The Long Branch is good. It's wild turkey. I think uh, Triple B just found one uh, from a goalie, and I'm totally brain farting on the name of it right now, but it's it's pretty Baby's legit, goalie? too. Yeah, yeah. Tim Howard? No. Hall of Fame. Fuck. It'll come good. Anyway, It'll come so it's, it's an interesting one. McConaughey's got all these partnerships. He's a partnership with Lincoln. He's a partnership with uh, Wild Turkey. I mean, he's, he's plugging himself into this is Texas. So he's, he's certainly an ambassador for the state. Anyway, those are the top 16 whiskeys that you should have on your bar cart. And so I have, surprisingly, I have a couple of these in my bar cart, even though I don't have that extensive of a collection. What would you say out of the 16? How many do you think you got? Um, got that? I'd say only four or five. If that, you know me, I mostly have bourbon. So a lot of this isn't bourbon. I have an amazing bourbon collection and I'm, my rye collection is 
pretty darn good too. But that'd be a fun thing for you to catalog. Outside of that, to just just take the mic down to your little fancy cabinet there and just start reading off the labels you got. I got to say though, this Methuna by Paul John. It's on my list. I'm going to try and pick some of this up, but it's $245 a bottle. Ah! Wow. wonder what it is in India. I have some cards that go back and forth to India. It's got to be like 10,000 rupees. Anyway, Belfour, by the way, is the name of that goalie whiskey. And that's Ah, good. Well done. Well, that wraps up talking about Brown. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into business news. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. And I got news for you. This is a generational business news because this is an interesting one for me. We can talk about the elements of corporate communication that go into this because my guess is whatever. But I, I think it's definitely a generational thing. Um, I feel like you're baiting me with a story like this. I feel yeah. like... When you pull these out, you know I'm about to snap because this, this is me. I'm this is me testing Mr. Your, your OK Boomer because sometimes you waft into that land of I am, get off my lawn and I want you to stop get it. Off my lawn. I have elastic this is, pants. This is Nothing what the, fits. This is the two youths are doing this form of communication, and you got to be you got to be with it, right? Uh yeah. I'm no I'm cap. nervous already. Bring Squeeze it. the juice. Let's do this. For some generations, voice notes have replaced text messages and even phone calls. But are they the future of communication or just plain annoying? See, this is for you. Yes. Mm. So it comes to us from The Guardian. Uh, I lay on my bedroom carpet looking at the blue of the ceiling, feeling like I was in a teen movie. My phone buzzed and I picked it up to respond to my crush's latest text. Except this time it wasn't a text, but a voice note. A short audio file you send via Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp. You can also do this over iMessage as well with, uh, if you have an iPhone. It was the first time I heard his voice. It was flat, low, and attractive. He asked me how my day had gone. My stomach fluttered because I knew this meant he wanted to get closer to me, yet I also freaked out because there was so much pressure to get my response right. At first, I ignored the switch in communication and started typing out a message because I hate my voice. The way I can hear my nerves prickle through my speech, the high pitch of my intonation, and the number of times I say like, but don't voice notes feel so much more intimate? hearing the subtleties of the other person's speech as if they were whispering in your ear and I wanted to get closer to him. So I focused on getting comfy, pushed the record button in response to his, how was your day? I started telling him about the bike I just got. It hurts so much on your vulva. I only lasted about 10 minutes before I limped off. His response was awkward. Yeah, I can't say much about uh, women's engineering down there. Seats are probably built for a male anatomy. Wow. Say that again, I replied in another voice note in a mock, sultry voice. He didn't reply. And so the author goes on to talk about how this was a very I know where this is going. This is, this is ridiculous. First of all, let's just talk. Let's just talk for a second here. Let's, let's have a conversation. We know where this is going. This, this article is, is telling media. us. We like to talk about audio. That's <laughs> it is. It is. I, I think that this is another take on it's the hilariness, hilariness, hilariness. I'm just clearly I need more bourbon. Go there. Um, 
What's most hilarious about this to me is that we keep regressing to old things. Like <laughs> we call reach. We don't, we don't talk. We don't want to hear each other's voices. We need to text textings faster. What well, we need to use emojis. Emojis give the message quicker than, than even we could with words. Okay. And now we're going back back into uh, audio messages now until we get all the way to the phone calls and then we're going to get to rotaries again. Like, I feel like there's this big wave of communication. Yeah, it, you think it's a revolution? It's a cycle? I think it's dumb. I think, I think, it, I get it. I, I, have you ever used an audio message? Because I, I have. have. I have. But and I haven't used it. That, well, the only reason I do it is if I type it and I look at it and I go, that can be construed in so many ways that I want to put body language behind it. But right. you know, you're not always in a place to, to have a physical phone call. One, uh, if you're horrible about the phone in general, like me, you avoid it at all costs, like the plague. But mm -hmm. two, if you're in a place of poor cell service, then you got to go back and forth. It's nice to have uh, a voice note if, for example, there are elements of the vocal that really add to it. Like if we're having a text thread going back and forth and I reference a piece of pop culture that I know you'll get, but you might not get it in the written form, I may use a voice note because that'll make us both laugh. Like if we're going right. to do, if we're going to do the we Lincoln story from drunk history that you and I love so much and I send you yeah. a text and you read it and you go, what? But then if I put in his drunk voice and you picture his face, his, I have huge balls. <laughs> You're already laughing. See what I mean? So there's no. value in the audio. What, how you say, when how you say it is as important as what you're saying, then I yeah. would agree with that. And 100%. I'm not against, uh, look, if this replaced voicemails, fine. That's fine. I think. But, but if you're going to, if you're going to bounce back and forth with voice notes, it's like, just pick up the phone. It's the same yeah. reason that you don't bounce back and forth with emails. It's like, just pick up the that's phone. That's right. Just pick up the fucking phone. Have a conversation. That's exactly right. What, where texts are good and where I'm starting to get frustrated because Triple B and I were went on a walk the other day where it was a very popular walking spot because it's a beautiful area. We keep every time we go, we run into at least one jackass, if not two or three, that has no headphones but playing music walking along on their uh on the walk. And you'll have at least one or two jackasses that are walking on speaker and yelling into the phone and having a very public conversation as opposed to holding it up to their ear. My fear is this type of communication is just another opportunity for you to be sitting next to somebody and you have to listen to their fucking conversation. And that bothers me. I, I just, I have a hard time with these people that, if you're one of them, Magic 50, where we're at now, if you're one of them, I don't apologize to you. You need, <laughs> you need to put your headphones in. You do. I, I don't care about whatever you're talking about. The rest of the people around here don't care about what yeah. you're talking about. Keep the conversations private, especially if you're talking about shit. Right. Now, if you're talking about food stamps or you're talking about if somebody cheated on you, it's like, no, we don't, we don't need to hear that. Stop it. Right. But I don't want to shut down all noise because we do have one guy who rides his bike behind our house 
we have a trail behind our house comes mm-hmm. by every day around three or four o'clock. I think he's got a basket in front of his bike. I'm pretty, this guy's borderline homeless. I think either way he's, he's living his best life because he has an old 80s style boom box and he's blaring <sighs> wonderful, loud, like bicycle AC, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Bicycle man from Santa Barbara. Yeah, absolutely. Very much the same. The guy is living his best life. He's rocking out to hard rock and roll from the nineties and early two thousands. And I love it. And he's just cruising. Other than that guy, all the rest of you, you need to get headphones. I don't want to hear your shit. (laughs) Consider your audience. Yeah, you are you are not as cool as that guy, and never will be. Yeah, bicycle man used to just jam Rolling Stones as he went up and down the block. Yeah, the article goes on. When WhatsApp introduced them in 2013, receiving a voice note felt like a novelty, something more human in the sea of emojis and abbreviations. Now, around 200 million are sent every month. Instead of a simple "I'll meet you outside the station" text. Friends now send long rambles about how they were going to catch such and such train, but then they realized the bus would drop them outside. And while they were on the bus, they thought about this idea for a novel. It's like having you sit through an unedited podcast, which podcasts need to be edited as a purveyor of such medium. You don't want rambling. You do need to punch it up. So right. this whole idea, and there's a, there's a separate call out here. This is voice notes gives women an avenue to speak in the same way men do without fear of being cut off or dismissed. Now, if you're getting cut off or dismissed, that should tell you everything about the person you're talking to and not about you. What do you think about that? I, yeah, Unless everybody I mean, I starts cutting you off and then it's about you. Did you just cut me off? I was answering the question you asked and you just cut me off. Did you cut me off as part of this experiment? Place. <laughs> Stay in the second chair and shut your mouth. I get it. I get it. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. What was yours? No, no. I don't want it now. No, I, I agree. <laughs> That's all. That, whatever you want me to do, boss. I don't want it now. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know that there's much more to say. I mean, the the 50 don't understand you're scrolling through a massive article right now. Yeah. I mean, this is some There's, serious, like that's, you can tell that this girl had a lot to say because she, she wrote down what she probably could have put in a voice note. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say, is this article, could this article possibly be an audio article? Well, so I, I read the economist and the economist has done a pretty good job of saying, would you rather listen to this? And so most of their articles, if not all of them have a little, um, a player at the top. And so the idea Mm -hmm. is you can read it. If you're a reader like me, if you're not a reader and you just want to click play and go do other stuff, you can actually consume the content of the article in audio form, which I think is fucking genius. Uh, But this girl who is it like robotic? Is it like serious? I mean, it's actually, it's the idea is that, so imagine, so flip the script a little bit. Imagine if you had given this out as an audio version and what you were just reading is the transcript. Mm-hmm. And that's how the economist treats most of their articles. And I kind of like that because however you want to consume it is up to you. But if a, if a media company provides it in the medium that you want to consume it, you're more likely to go back to that media company. So, I mean, I've been thinking about things, interestingly enough, I'm thinking about putting all of our episodes on YouTube 
just with a picture of that single glass of bourbon that we have, because it's about distribution. If you, if you don't listen to a podcast app and you just want YouTube on all the time, great. You can consume bottle of Brown on YouTube. So it mm-hmm. comes back to how do people want to consume the content? Um, but I, I think we're both in agreement on this. Maybe we're Gen Xers or pushing the boomer lifestyle, but if you're going to go back and forth with somebody, it's an active conversation. Just call them. Yeah, exactly. Just, I don't understand that. I mean, if, are you reducing minutes? Is that, is that what's going on here? The nice That's, thing is that you can ignore it. How many phone, here's, here's a good question here. Yeah. How many, what percentage of phone calls do you actually answer? And you need to be honest for this to be real because everyone, and I mean, everyone looks at the phone call and goes, I'll call them back at least once a day. <laughs> I think maybe it's just me, but I watch everybody do it. No, I mean, so you look at who's calling and you think, all right, what's the average duration of the phone call that I have with this person? Yeah. And then do I have this amount of time and do I have yeah. the energy to do this? And then if all those, if the answer to all those questions is yes, you answer the phone. Right. But the second any one of those are off, you go, I just call them back. Right. Uh, but yeah. you get into an interesting point because if you're in chat, chat is designed to be asynchronous. It's designed to be, I'll get back to you when I'm ready. That's right. I'll get so, it when I get it. Right. So when you're doing text messages, you shouldn't expect a response. If you need a, if you need a response, call them. That's what a call That's is. Right. There is no asynchronous phone call. So this is, eh, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm net negative on it, but I do see, I do see that the realm of, of novelty is interesting. Um, I mean, the features, the feature has merit. It's one we've used before. It has its purposes, but if you are literally talking to each other (laughs) back and forth in almost real time using messenger, you're an idiot. Yeah. That's that's what I think we agree on. Yeah. All right. Okay. I like it. Let's uh, on to the next of world's problems. Bring let's on. give that credit to do. That wraps up biz news. Let's get to the crank file. I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever. Today's crank file comes to us from real science, my man. University of California, San Diego News Center. This one comes to us from UCSDnews.ucsd.edu. We save some of these weird uh, etymology studies for like mosquitoes in Florida where they're doing this genetic manipulation. This was an interesting one for me because researchers ID sex pheromone of invasive giant hornet. Not the murder hornet. These are the Asian giant hornet. The so-called murder hornet. It is the murder hornet. It is the murder hornet. The article begins, the world's largest hornet has been the focus of extensive news coverage of late due to its menacing appearance and expanding footprint in North America. But while the, quote, murder hornet, unquote, label attached to the Asian giant hornet, Vespa mandarinia, may be an overdramatization of its danger, Researchers agree that the invasive species is destructive and threatens North American bee populations and millions of dollars in crop production. Because honeybees offer few defenses other than a heat ball, 
We're going to have to look that one up later. Giant mm-hmm. hornets can rapidly destroy entire bee colonies. No good. They do not pollinate the plants. So, nope. fuck them. Uh, who is this person? James Nia, Division of Biological Sciences Professor and Bee Researcher at University of California, San Diego. My usual plea is that people should stop calling them murder hornets because they are large and perhaps frightening, but not truly murderous. They are amazing social insects, but they don't belong in North America and harm our critical bee populations, so we should remove them. I love the voice you gave <laughs> But how to eliminate them is not clear. Even knowing where they occur thus far reported in Canada and the Pacific Northwest have been difficult to determine. So we know the murder hornets are here. We don't exactly know where. I haven't seen a murder hornet. You personally okay haven't seen that. one? That's no. good, because they murder you. Yeah, that's what that's what the name implies. That's like so. a fucking Norm Macdonald joke. You ever seen a murder hornet? <laughs> good, because you're still here. Otherwise, they would murder you. <laughs> Cock. <laughs> Sounds like some commie googly gop. Uh, as one possible solution, Nia and his colleagues in China have developed a method for identifying the Asian giant hornet's presence and possibly accelerating its removal. In the journal Current Biology... The researchers revealed the identification of three major components of the Asian giant hornet queen's sex pheromone, an achievement that could be used as bait to trap and track the insects. Wait a minute. Did you say, did you say sex hormone? Using gas chromatography and mass spectrometry, along with experiments spanning two years, Nia and his colleagues identified the major chemicals in the sex pheromone as hexanoic acid, octanoic acid, and decanoic acid. Three bands I have not seen at Coachella. Compounds that can be readily purchased and deployed immediately in the field. Do these pheromones work on human? This is important. This one reminds me of college. All right, let's hear it. The males are drawn to the odors of the females since they typically mate with them near their nests. In two field seasons, we were able to rapidly collect thousands of males that were attracted to these odors. What do you think? I mean, is this something that we also as humans have exhibited or at least shown attraction to? I mean, is this what perfume is all about and all that? Yeah, pheromones. pheromones. Mm -hmm. So I think it's time that we weaponize this for the police. (laughs) This would be really good for crowd control. Like, why do we keep weaponizing stuff that makes us hate each other and like poison our eyes and like bear mace? Like, this would be amazing. I mean, imagine a huge crowd of people. They're getting unruly. They look like they're about to push over a car. They're lighting couches on fire. And then you blast them with sex pheromones. <laughs> and they're like, you know what? I, I, I'm out. I'm going to I'm gonna go back and might take my girlfriend back home and yeah me yeah i'd like to go too that sounds great the crowd just disperses (laughs) for love (laughs) give me the next world problem i'm just knocking them out of the park from the makers of agent orange right (laughs) sex (laughs) everyone knows right sex is the best sex We hope that others, especially in invaded areas, will take the protocol we have established and test this method. We've described the chemical blends needed for these traps, which could reduce the number of males available to mate with females to help depress the population, but primarily would help us figure out where they are. So the whole gist of it is they spray some female pheromone on a dummy queen, Mm -hmm. males attack it en masse, and then... Mm -hmm. 
they completely avoid the possibility of mating with anybody else. So you're effectively removing all of the males from the population such that they don't reproduce. And if they don't reproduce, they don't spread and they don't grow and blah, 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 blah. Hmm. So basically think of it as Tinder, where if you say I make over $150,000, then four males are competing with all of the women in the ecosystem. And that's basically the same thing. It's just, it's B Tinder. Yeah. Well, you broke it down for me and I agree with this method. That's my hot Get take. rid of the murder hornets. Get rid of the murder hornets. Hashtag <laughs> get rid of the murder hornets. That would make a great t-shirt. I would wear that. I think everybody <laughs> could rally behind get rid of the murder hornets. Like, is that, is that a political stance that everyone can get behind? I'm for it. I'm for it. I'm with you. I'm for it. I'm for it. That wraps up the crank file. Let's get on to because Florida. Normally, we have horrible things to say about citizens of the Sunshine State. This one tickled me like no others because this is yay, Florida. This one comes to us from Motor Trend, not our typical source for news, uh, but I thought this one was special. The article says, the American dream, world's longest limo, restored by a Florida man. Once again, dazzling, the 100-foot-long Cadillac gets a new lease on life. Now, bear in mind, for those of you listening at home, you can't see this picture that we're looking at, but we will post the link in the show notes. We're looking at... Are you Don't miss out again? on this link. We're Don't miss out on this link. axles on this bitch. It's unreal. It is unreal. I mean, this is what Boss Hog had in mind. He just oh, didn't talking, have, about, talking about the Duke boys. Good, good, he, good, good. He just didn't have the means to make it happen. Oh, oh my got God. A helicopter landing pad in the back. What's not to like? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, the Ferrari one's pretty badass, but no, the Ferrari one's I mean, good. that is, this thing is unreal. Listen, mm. Magic mm. 50, get out there and look at this limo. <laughs> it is epic. The article begins, this is the American dream, the world's longest limo, at least according to the Guinness Book of World Records. 100 feet, one and a half inches. We can't imagine it has too many challengers to its throne. But as impressive as this 25,000-odd-pound helipad-equipped massive Cadillac is, what's even more impressive is that its restoration was completed at all. This limo was in terrible shape, a rotted hulk that would take a gargantuan effort to bring back to life. Abandoned in New York, it was first hauled to the Autoseum for an ill-fated restoration attempt, then with some difficulty and a hood that flew off en route, never to be seen again. It was trucked down to the Deezerland Park Car Museum for another go in several pieces for another right. effort at revival. The Deezerland Do you know Park the Deezerland? Are you familiar with that? No, no one is. No one is familiar with that. Sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be our ambassador to Florida. You're supposed to know these things. Plus, I live there. I spent my time there. No one knows about Deezerland. That's not right. So the the Deezerland Park Car Museum link is in this link. You'll get. You'll be able to get to it through a series of links. 
Well, the effort has succeeded, as you can see. Michael Deezer, prominent real estate developer in New York and Florida, and Michael Manning of Autoseum worked together to make it happen. Along the way, three Cadillacs were cannibalized, an untold amount of rust was removed, yards of leather and vinyl and carpet were employed, and the engines were replaced. The subframe looks more like a bridge truss than anything you'd find in a vehicle. And in fact, Manning admits rebuilding it was more of a civil engineering project than an automotive restoration. What is this thing? <laughs> the side-by-side Side-by-side Cadillac convertibles with the gigantic 16-person bench seat. This is unreal. <laughs> Yeah, all these limos are awesome. You need to go to this link, everyone. No fewer than six Eldorados were conjoined during the original construction of this 24-wheeled monster conceived by Jay Orberg of Burbank. Eldorados, that's awesome. Guy behind a few cars you may have heard of, like Kit from Knight Rider and the DeLorean Time Machine from Back to the Future, Jay Orberg of Burbank, California. Oh, he's a hero. Originally, the vehicle had a swivel function in order to attempt to navigate corners with more grace. It's not clear if that feature was retained in the restoration. Its tail housed a helipad whose surface could be used as a putting green whenever the chopper wasn't around. In its original iteration, it also had two engines, dozens of windows, TVs, telephones, a lounge, a waterbed, a jacuzzi, and a swimming pool with a diving board. The American dream is now functional to the extent that it can't be. With this link and an attendant cruise ship-like turning radius, you can't simply drive this thing around. You need to carefully plan a route to make sure it has room to maneuver, get it stuck, and it'll take some creative towing to remove it. That said, whether stationary or on the go, Manning says there's room inside for 75, plus there's a pool. The interior is mostly bare at the moment. In the video, Manning hints it could be built out to fit a customer, and it's so long the other end is barely visible from inside. That's so epic. Yeah, the side by side is pretty awesome too. All all of these limos are really incredible. I was gonna say, how do you even drive a dance floor in a car? That's awesome. That is so cool. Jacuzzi and this pink one here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Check it out, folks. Motortrend.com forward slash news forward slash the American Dream longest limousine restoration world record. All right, I'm counting the windows. One, two, three, four. How many windows I got? 36. 36 windows. 38, if you count the windshield in the back window. And of course, there's a gallery. So amazing. Check it out. Bob's amazing shit. That wraps up because Florida. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into parenting. We can make kids right now. That's why we're here. It's not the years. It's the mileage. Today's parenting comes to us from The Guardian. TikTok being used by 16% of British toddlers. Ofcom finds. Three-year-olds are on the video sharing platform and it may be affecting their attention span. You think? Get absurd early. British toddlers are increasingly likely to be users of TikTok, with a substantial number of parents saying their preschool children use the video service despite the app supposedly being restricted to those aged 13 and older. This stupid comment. About 16% of three and four-year-olds view TikTok content, according to research commissioned by media regulator Ofcom, O-F-C-O-M. This rises to a third of all children in the five to seven-year-old age group. 
TikTok's terms of service excludes under 13s and its moderators have instructions to look out for content produced by younger users and to block their accounts. However, research suggests the age checks on new users are being widely flouted. The reality that young children, often aided by parents creating profiles or sharing their mobile phone, are accessing TikTok could cause regulatory headaches for the company. Its powerful recommendation algorithm has helped it grow into one of the most powerful media platforms in the world but it is undergoing the same growing pains that have affected platforms such as Facebook and YouTube with concerns about content covering topics such as eating disorders and adult material. Thoughts on this before I Careful. go on. Careful, Danny. We're starting to get into the political realm on uh, TikTok. Yeah, it could go I, I the way of Twitter. I thought this was an interesting Twitter. take on it because there is some serious <laughs> stuff to talk about in here, but the whole idea of four-year-olds are using it and flouting age regulations, it's like their parents are giving them their phones. This is stupid. Parents are idiots. Why but, Why are you letting three-year-olds watch TikTok? Well, Come the on. veiled thing here is that parents are creating accounts for their children, which some of our friends do. Uh, more power to you. It's a free platform. Uh, but the idea of creating, like, I, I never, this is a personal argument between me and, and my significant others. I never photograph my children's faces, ever, under any circumstance. You never photograph? Nope, I never, never post, post. I never post my children's faces on social media. I always catch them from behind or half of their faces missing or a silhouette uh, because I don't, I don't want uh, a face recognition algorithm recording my children. So the whole idea yeah. of creating an account for your children, the argument that I've heard is this is for legacy. They'll be able to look back on it and say, oh, there's a picture of me when I was a baby. And, and my answer to that is, Put it on a CD and file it somewhere. Yeah. You know, the idea of giving your intellectual property to one of these companies just bothered me to no end. But hey, maybe I'm a boomer. What do you think? It's it's changing. I, I don't know. I I follow a lot of social media, but I don't post almost anything. I think you're either creating content or you're not. I When you start talking about, do you want your kids to be part of your content? And how do you want that to work? I think... Uh, I think you're on the, I think you're on the right track. It's a personal preference. You know, it's, it's the same thing of these parents. Um, and you know, I've considered it because I just think my daughter's the cutest thing on the planet and she's super, super articulate. Yes, she is. So she's I think, funny. I think that um, if I took her up to Hollywood, it wouldn't be much of a stretch for me to get her on some commercials and stuff. I really don't think so. You know, we, we've have friends that are, mutual friends that are actors and we know what it takes to get in there. And I, I think she would crush it, but I'm not doing that because I don't want that life for her. Is that fair for me to make that decision for her on at a five-year-old? I say, yes, I'm her parent and I get to make that decision. And, and uh, that's one of the blessings and curses of being a parent is you get to start to steer uh, the content and the uh, things that you're, children are exposed to or or what you're exposing them to uh i'm really trying to to tiptoe around a lot of this but i think at the end of the day if you're if you're a parent and you feel like whatever you're doing is the best thing for your kid then so be it because there are no two kids that are the same and you know that you have two i got one and there's no manual for being a parent there is no manual for being a parent and guess what no one's gotten it right not a single person so we're all learning. We're getting it. We're getting better at it. And uh, 
it, yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to sit up. There's things where I can sit on a pedestal and say, you're a bad parent. I'm not sure I'm ready to make that accusation for posting your kids. You know, Cause part of the, although I guess I'm trying to formulate the thought as, as I'm getting it out, but I think part of the early advantages to social media were when you're scattered across the country and your family scattered across the country or countries, you could basically share your experiences, your family, your growth, all that kind of stuff online with them and they care and you care and they share things and you're still kind of feel like you're a family together. It's easy. Yeah. And it's easy. Yeah. And then it kind of like, okay, well, friends, friends and family. And then it was like, well, how many people can I get to give a shit about my life? <laughs> 2,000, 3,000, 4,000. I want 10,000 people to care about my life. The Kardashians, everyone cares. Like, I think we got a lot of control, but I think at its core level, the, the John Everyman and the Jane Smiths out there, I think it's not that harmful. It's just when people get a little bit too crazy with it and they're trying to chase uh, popularity, which is totally okay. I think that if that's your goal, then go chase it, right? But if you're just really trying to share it with your friends and family, then so be it. I think there's other ways to do it much more private ways to do it, like shared albums. And there's all kinds of technology out there that allows you to keep it to the people that you actually care about. So maybe you should zoom in on that instead of a social media platform, if you're concerned about it, but that's, that's I my two love cents that I'm that. the conspiracy theorist on this topic. Yeah, very rare. That's very rare. This place is where you're, you are. you're supposed to be the angry one. And I'm I'm the angry one here because I see a face in the digital age. I see a face as a fingerprint. And you wouldn't mm -hmm. go putting your fingerprints on everything for everybody to consume because that's a method of identity. So the idea that you're going to put your kids' faces out there, I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm going to fall on the side of conspiracy and I'll be happy to be proved wrong. But I don't like it. Now, my 10-year-old, okay. which I mentioned earlier, he wants a YouTube account. He wants to make videos of him building his fascinating Lego creations. I'm like, all right, well, you've got, you've got agency and this is what you want. I'll, I'll put you on camera. Um, I, don't know, I just, I don't, I don't want to subject my children to that. I don't think if, you're wrong for that. If, uh, if they get of age and they want an account and they want all those old pictures. Sure. There you go. It's your face. It's well, your, it's your intellectual property. It's your visage. Do what you want. I mean, we've all heard of the story of the, the kid who unwraps presents and makes millions of dollars a year and gets presents and unwraps them and talks about toys. And yeah, and this that is a fascinating success story. Yeah. He's, he's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's like winning the lottery three times, this kid. <laughs> the odds are staggering against yeah i mean that's <laughs> that's the first mover paradox yeah uh the article finishes up the number of british households without access to the internet has remained at about 1.7 million equivalent to six percent of british homes the vast majority in this category are older people or those on the lowest incomes with most saying they have no plans to go online even though that increasingly leaves them cut off from many services and forms of communication so what they don't care six no. percent they don't care no, but the, they the idea be on, is they that could be. Um, 
no no specific restrictions for very young children online. Um, and the, the reason I wanted to talk about this was do do you create accounts for your kids? And do you think that's a good idea? Because I don't. I don't. No. I do not. I wish wish that we unplugged our kids more, not plugged them in more. The challenge runs into the same tale as old as time. It's what do I do with them? You know, I got shit to do. They need to be occupied. And it's very easy to turn the television on or hand them your device just to get them to shut up. You know, try taking two kids to a restaurant. Unless you've beaten them into submission or you just have extremely docile children, they're going to create a ruckus. They're going to, you know, that's just, that's the way they are. I stood in front of a mom who was, this is a nice conversation. This is a nice combination of a couple of the things we've been talking about in this episode. I was behind a lady at Walmart because I had to, I was trying to find my beer and there's an aluminum shortage. That's a whole nother brown news that we can talk about sometimes. I can't find my beer at all because they discontinued the pint cans because they can't get aluminum. So they're going to come back out with 12 ounce cans. Aluminium? Win. Aluminium, yes, of course. You mean al- aluminium, yes. But I can't find this beer. So I found it in one weird Walmart off the beaten path, way in the corner. So I'm in line behind this lady, and not a bad looking lady. Uh, she's got two little kids, like toddlers, and she's screaming at him the entire time. Don't touch that. Get over here. Stay in the cart. Sit down. I told you this. I told you that. And it's like, well, on one side, they're, they're babies. They're going to want to touch things. That's what they do. On the other mm-hmm. side, she still has shit to do. She's got, you know, she's yakking about probably the father who was the deadbeat that she was referring to because she was having a loud phone conversation, Leon. I love that. talking about the deadbeat father who was dealing with the IRS and on food stamps. And I'm sitting there behind her going, Holmes, can you (laughs) speed up the conveyor belt, please? (laughs) You know, and I'm stuck listening to this lady with all of her problems and she wasn't bad looking and she looked fairly capable, but she made some bad decisions with whoever she had these kids with and she was on her own. So, yeah, I, I understand the temptation to give them a device to shut them down and shut them up. Creating a social media account for them just seems a bit of a stretch. Hey, I'm, I'm on Team Danny on this one. No argument here. All right, that wraps up parenting. Let's get to Leon Lowe's. So far, Danny, I haven't heard a single logical reason. No, no, don't accept this. It's frustrating. And we haven't cured cancer. We have not cured cancer. I don't know the answer. I'm just ranting about it. Leon, the floor is yours. I want to piggyback part of our conversation last time, which we we went down the road, but I didn't, I already had a loads that day. So I I didn't want to use that one, but we need to go back and talk about how out of hand fundraising has become. (laughs) It is completely obnoxious we need we need to put a cap on this for for instance last weekend i went to a festival at my daughter's school to fundraise which was the second festival of the year so far to fundraise and they were selling things over the winter to fundraise that's just school softball we have had a festival we have had, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even talk about the jogathon for my daughter to fundraise <laughs> at school. Then uh, we have a golf tournament. Uh, earlier in the year, we had to do donations uh, for fundraising. We have to work in a snack cart 
or a snack booth at least one game so we can continue to fundraise. What is happening that we have to constantly fundraise? And and you brought up a hero of a man last episode <laughs> awesome. who said, you know what? I'm not selling cookies anymore. I'm just putting up a GoFundMe site. And he ended up making more money, which the important part was the money didn't go to the people making the magazines or the cookies or the uh, wrapping paper or the bags or the popcorn or whatever, right? Like 70% of that goes to those manufacturers and they give you 30%. They get it all. So even if you're bringing, you know, you're pushing it far less, at least you get every single penny of that. So I just feel like, especially with our educational institutions out there we need to figure out a way to fundraise better i mean they just if they just beg for money i i know that your university probably still reaches out to you when i went to school i paid a fortune a fortune i was lucky enough to have help to help pay off this massive debt I know this is a very political conversation right now. A lot of people want us to erase student debt. I'm not picking one side or the other. All I'm telling you, though, is that these assholes still have the audacity after making you pay 50, 60, 100,000, $200,000 for school to go out and antagonize their alumni saying they need more money. What the fuck do you need more money for? You've got a football program. You have lacrosse programs. You've, you you sell merchandise like crazy with your school's name all over it. You charge an ungodly amount for tuition. Where the fuck is this money going to? Does anyone ask this question? Why, why alum? Like, well, you need to build a building. Yeah, I know. Then build it with all the other money that you have coming in from every other source. Why are you reaching out to your alumni? Why do you need boosters? I, I, I guess... I don't, obviously there's probably people that are, might listen that are on that side and go, no, you gotta understand that's a lot of money and there's no way we'll ever get it from, uh, you're probably right. You're probably right. But do you, I just feel like it's a constant begging machine from everything from your schools, your former schools, any sports program you have, Most anytime you want Anytime you walk out of a Home Depot or a Lowe's, like you're being accosted by somebody fundraising. And I think that South Park nailed it, by the way. One of my favorite episodes for them was when he was in the Whole Foods. And they was like, uh, are you going to, you know, would you like to round up for the starving children or wherever the heck it was? And well, not today because, you know, well, um, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to have a manager come over and, and, and unlock this. And he has to call it on the, the the over the speaker of the entire store to bring in someone say this man doesn't want to contribute his last 15 cents to starving children and of course embarrass him and then next time he came in it's like okay if you don't want to just go ahead and pull the food out of this uh child's mouth that sounds like it was just really really funny so it's the guilt is overwhelming i think i think obviously I've been much more frustrated on these Leon Lowe's, but today I'm exhausted. This is Leon's exhausted. Oh. Stop asking me 
for fucking money. Like, just tell me what is it? What does it cost for my daughter to play softball? What does it cost for her to go to school? Help me. I will help work out what it takes. And I know that some people are not as well off and not everybody's equal on the team as far as what they can financially afford. But we need to see, we need to see some numbers. We need to see some budget numbers. I need to know what number you're trying to hit and why. I need to be a part of that. If you want me to go into a goddamn snack booth instead of watching my daughter play, or if you want me to, uh, you know, go to a golf tournament for 200 bucks, or if you want me to go to a jogathon and, and, and pay per lap, I need to know. I just need to know what is it going towards because that is where I'm struggling. And I guess if, if I had a better idea of where that is going, maybe I would feel less hateful about it, but I, I highly doubt it. I think that it's not being used efficiently and uh, just stop asking me for money. Get your hand out of my pocket. That's all I have to say. I don't think you're going to find the answer to that because part of the public school process is that I think you can get access to that budget, but they don't make it easy. Mm -mm. What I love about what my kid's school does is there's two things that impress me. One, they give you a list of supplies at the beginning of the year and they say, you're going to need this many notebooks, this many glue sticks, this many highlighter pens, this many pencils, and they don't bug us about fundraising. They say, this is what's needed for the school year. You can buy it through us or get it yourself. But here's a checklist of things that the kids are going to need. And you can grumble about whether or not the school provides it, whatever. It's, you know, this is it. And I think it's become somewhat well known at this point that teachers end up spending their own money. It's just the way it is. They stay up late. They work overtime. They work off the clock. That's just, that's modern teaching. Um, but what I like is they'll say, this is a list of things. We'll take extras. If you feel like contributing, you know, notebooks don't go bad. You know, they don't have an expiration date on them. Uh, pens, highlighters, glue sticks, all uh, scissors, all the things that they need. They give you a big long list and they say, whatever you want to give, this is what your child needs. And I really like that because I'm perfectly happy buying stuff that I know is going to go to a specific purpose. What I don't right. like is why do I have to buy a, a candy bar that I shouldn't be eating anyway? Right. Along those lines, there's another thing that they sent out was the student store. Mm -hmm. And they have an Amazon registry for the student store. And so you follow this link and you can buy things for the student store. And then the idea is the kids come in with their money and they buy it and the school keeps the money and the kids get whatever they want. So I went and I looked at that list. Of course, it's a lot of candy. You remember our high school store, right? It was, it was mm -hmm. monogrammed gear for the school and it was candy. It's, you know, whatever, whatever kids want to buy. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Seventh and eighth graders do whatever they want with their money. But I loved it because there are things on there that are not candy that are legitimate. Like I can buy, I can buy sweatpants. I can buy t-shirts. I can buy athletic gear for the teams that has, that has the school monogram stuff on it. And that allows me to contribute without some dickhead fundraiser where 70 cents on the dollar goes to whoever is the proprietor of that fundraiser and the school gets nothing. So it's mm -hmm. a wonderful opportunity using Amazon because I can go right in. Amazon already has my information. They have my credit card. They have everything. And I just click, 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 click. I like that. Boom. 
the school has what it needs. And I hope that other schools are, if not already doing that, realizing that it's a possibility because I think parents are not unwilling to contribute. They just want to know where the money's going. Yeah. Because we've been burned enough. I, I just think corruption is just too, too rampant. And a lot of these fundraisers, they're either my feeling is, which I could be completely wrong and big surprise. I'm a pessimist, not an optimist, but I think that I can't help but think that it's not all going where it needs to go or at least be as efficient as possible. So that's it. I agree with you. You're loath today, Leon. Well done. <laughs> Let's get to the bottom of the bottle. This bitch is empty. Yeet! Parting thoughts for this episode. I thought this was pretty interesting. The entire, the entirety of Wikipedia can be downloaded for 19 gig. 19 gigs? That's it. No kidding. All of wikipedia.com is 19 gig. So wow. for the cheapest flash drive that you can find at the store or on Amazon, you can have the entirety of Wikipedia's knowledge. That just tickled me. <laughs> but I was reminded of is I was reminded of that funny meme that's been going around for like 15 years is imagine you meet somebody from 1950 and what do you tell them about the future? I have a device in my pocket that accesses the entirety of human knowledge. And I use it to look at cat videos and argue with strangers. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. All of Wikipedia. 19 gigs. That's our show. You can email us at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. Call us at 602-529-4562. Leave a message for Danny, Leon, or Mr. Jones. We'll play it on the air. Give us ideas for content or if you, anything we say on the show. If you like the show, please like, follow, subscribe. Most importantly, share with a friend. We're on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share a drink with us next episode. We'd love to have you. Same brown time, same brown channel. Bottleofbrown.com. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>